Hello, Yes Anders. For today's content warning, this episode contains references to sexual assault. Thank you, and enjoy the episode. Three, two, one, clap. Second one was better. <laughs> Good, as it should be. We're lying. Drink some tea, drink water bottles. We don't, we, we don't, we, we'll see. It's cute. <laughs> this is actually a giant thermos of coffee, so. Oh, shit. Um, lies upon lies. I think it is notable that our podcast started during a time where it seemed like an appropriate vibe to have a tea party, and now it's just about guzzling the the black stuff <laughs> <laughs> just to get me through the day. <laughs> All right, you ready? I'm ready. Jesus Christ. Oh, God. What's up, man? You okay? Oh, God. Well, no, because because you just called me man, so immediately hostile right out of the I called gate. you ma'am as you asked the court. Here's a little look behind the scenes. I thought maybe it was like an improv scene. Oh, you thought I was maybe a character? I didn't know if you were going to be you or not. When you do the, I, uh, you're doing your little bit, I don't know if it counts as improv or not. This is a By danger. I'm starting with in media res, my friend. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, f- I, uh, absolutely. From now on, we will start in, in, in encyclopedia res. Media is destroying our children. <laughs> we begin with a comprehensive. Hello, I'm the I'm the uh, I'm the twelve year old crime solver in Psychopedia Rev. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just so you know that today's uh, improv is going to feature a mystery. So pay attention to the details of the improv scene because uh, at the end we're going to ask you uh, how we knew Bugs Meanie was lying <laughs> when he said he didn't kill that girl. <laughs> Encyclo- an adult encyclopedia brown would be amazing isn't that kind of what uh <laughs> that one Donald glover movie is i don't know mystery team that's kind of what mystery team is by never heard of that movie it's trash but i'm but I love i'm it. picturing i'm picturing encyclopedia brown as a um as like a scandinavian <laughs> like a grizzled crime detective <laughs> Like Bugs Meanie is his Moriarty, or is Bugs right. Meanie a normal dude <laughs> who she just thinks is always guilty? He can't let it go. You have, you have to let it go, Sai. You 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 have a wife now. You have a family, Sai. <laughs> Bu- Bugs, Bugs, Bugs Meanie is is you know he's 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 a scumbag, but he didn't do this. Yes, he did. Damn it. <laughs> He lied about he lied about his car being in the garage that day, which definitely means he's guilty of the crime. Just like isn't he that... lied about those coins. Well, isn't that funny about how Encyclopedia Brown? It was always that 
he caught them lying about something, and therefore they must have been guilty of everything. Well, my favorite Encyclopedia Brown story was this absolutely bonkers one where some kid disappears. And you're like, oh, shit, that's pretty serious. That's like an actual kidnapping. Right, this has suddenly gotten very real. And all I can find is a calculator the kid was messing with. It was like, it was like he was selling. He was like selling stuff. And mm, it said 577345. Right. And that was the only Boobs. clue. Boobs. 8008. <laughs> Uh, no, it said uh, 577345. I still remember the number because it blew my mind as a kid because I was a simple-minded fool. Um, and Encyclopedia Brown realized that if you looked at the calculator upside down, it said shells. And at the beginning, they referenced that one of the one of the sellers at the event was selling like seashells and ocean paraphernalia. So in the moment he was being kidnapped, he had the wherewithal to luckily be able to write the exact word on the calculator <laughs> of the person. Who and I'm like, wait. And then the cop's like, the, the the detective, his dad is like, I'm gonna, I'll go get him, and like, you're like, so this guy, this kid, this solved a kidnapping. This is some real shit for Encyclopedia Brown. Real quick, um, here's here's just just the, the super quick, uh, super quick little super quick little improv scene to to to, to launch the show. Um, you, uh, <laughs> I I do have to kind of set it up a little bit so you know what yeah the what best kind of improv you where you have to set up uh, everything <laughs> basically all you need to know ari is that you're in trouble and all you have is a calculator and a very limited amount of time to craft a all message right. uh my phone's being my phone's being restarted right now so i don't have access to that so i'll pull up a calculator on my computer okay. <laughs> so i can actually try to do this oh god the numbers are written curved because it's like a modern calculator a kid would have died <laughs> Here we go. We're starting. All right. All right. All right, Stanley. You have you have messed with me for the last time. Me, Gerald, the the shady eye doctor, the one who's been pretending to give people LASIK surgery, but secretly implanting cameras in their eyeballs so I can get a good look at their house, see the combinations of all their safes and so forth. Watch them take a shower and just generally wreak havoc and mayhem on this little town. And you, you just saw the last thing you're ever going to see. That's my word to you as a doctor. All right. I'm at us to write 078436 with upside down. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. We're, we're going to be, we're going to be detectives now. We're going to be detectives right. finding the calculator. All right. What is, uh, what does it say, detective? Upside down? Uh, <laughs> what? Upside down? Holy shit! You're you're genius. It this says, never would have occurred to me. It says six. It's six three four. It's zero point seven eight four three nine. The nine kind of looks like a G. The three uh -huh. kind of looks like an E. The four, uh -huh. I guess you could construe looks like an R if the like cross line isn't there. It's the closest letter. You can see there, the 8 is the closest to an A, I suppose, kind of like an A. The 7 is definitely an L, and the 0 is kind of a D. I mean, this kind of says Gerald. <laughs> wait, wait, what? Say it again. What is it? What is it? <laughs> what, are the, what are the numbers, detective? <laughs> 0.78439. 0 0.78439. All right, I'm flipping, flipping my computer around. Oh, my um, God. It says... 
Okay, so here's how I would interpret this. Are your numbers curvy or are they robotic? They're a little curvy. Okay. But I would say, so it looks, okay, definitely a G and an E. You're getting there. The, the four is a stretch, but what do you have to work with? The four, the four is almost like, I would almost, I don't know what I would interpret. I would almost interpret that as a capital D, I think. How, how Jed? How are your how are your numbers written? What twisted calculator do you have on the MacBook? <laughs> if this kid had a maybe, MacBook, he'd already be maybe dead. Maybe the eight is two O's. So I would interpret this as Jedulo. Jedulo. And then and then the detectives immediately go and rest uh Jedul O'Malley, the the innocent flower keeper. O'Malley is always the funniest name for any <laughs> Irish or Scottish improv character. You know, speaking of improv, you know what's funny? I realized that I didn't even complete the bit that this episode started as. I didn't even explain why I was doing this uh, noise in the first place. And I never will. <laughs> so, <laughs> welcome. Welcome all to Yes Androgyny. This is the podcast where two non-binary improvisers, two non-binary slash trans and trans, both, both you know, in a kind of Venn diagram fashion apply, uh... Sit down together and best friends from middle school. Fuck, I'm so hard. This is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me try. Let me try. This is the show. No, no, no. I got. It, I got. It, I got. It. I need. I need to do this. I need to get my confidence back. I need to get my groove back. I. It's been months since I've done the intro correctly. I keep fucking up, and I don't know what's wrong. You have to start with the introduction. You 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 don't do the intro at the beginning. It's impossible to get it right when you're doing it. Like it's not an <laughs> intro anymore. It's a mid-tro. <laughs> It's a justification for what you've heard for the last 30 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) This is the show where two non-binary slash trans improvisers and best friends since middle school sit down together, drink a caffeinated beverage of some sort. We sit down together and we talk about our personal experiences with gender, with identity, with our lives, and attempt to navigate this very um, treacherous world doing little improv make ups along the way. My name is Charlie Monroe. I use she, they pronouns. And with me, as always, my NBN arms, the only person left who will still put up with me. Oh, my God. That can't possibly be true. I don't put up with you. <laughs> <laughs> that can't be true. You have no one. <laughs> Why don't you introduce yourself? Yes, hello. My name is Ari Noble. I go by he, they pronouns. And I'm just getting through the day. You know, that's just what I've been doing. But hey, update us on your on your life. Getting through it. That's what I'm doing, my <laughs> friends. Uh, you know, you know, we had the opportunity for two different stories in my like two different times in that whole long intro i had a tangent i could have gone off on that i didn't so i first of all i want to acknowledge that we're all very proud of me <laughs> cuz because this is growth this is learning character uh, character development not the trans stuff the the rambling that we do this is the podcast where two ramblers and best rambler since middle school learn not to ramble honestly character development is not my strong suit my uh my character work is not good. When it comes to the comedy, I got I got three voices. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your who are your improv voices are? So here's I have this guy. Hey. 
Yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. what are you doing? He's he's pretty much my go-to. Um, I have. I have when I actually validate my gender and play a woman, but weirdly, I actually don't play a lot of women in improv, and I feel like that has to do with, like, how I was um, trained in improv as a cis man, and so all of my habits were developed to avoid playing women because I was afraid of, you know, being too much of a caricature. Um, so that might be interesting to think about for two seconds. All right, and <laughs> that's done. Um, and then I also have, like, I have my, what I call like miscellaneous crazy voice, which is like, we don't know exactly where it's going to end, but it just starts with like, yay! And then it becomes like maybe an old man. Maybe it becomes like, hello, like a guy with an accent. You don't know where it's going, what it's going to be, but it starts with a, with a kind of yowl. Yeah. Um, a jowl shaking yowl. If we were here, if we were going to sit here and listen to all the voices that I can do, we'd be here all night, folks. Um <laughs> <laughs> I've got my generic voice. I've got my deep voice that I do. The truth is I do like, I start with a voice and end with a different voice every time. I'm really bad at keeping voices. Oh, um, God, me too. We I always end my, up just being each other. Um, I have each my other. British I mean, voice. It's really not a British voice, but it's close enough that everyone kind of knows what I'm doing. Um, I've got my my girl voice, which people have told me is weirdly convincing. And oh I, my get God. Called, I get called ma'am in the drive-thru a lot. Oh, my God. That is actually a really good thing thing to bring up right now because i was just thinking about this ari so i don't want to do any kind of voice training or at least i have not planned on any kind mm -hmm, of voice mm -hmm. training um i assume you're the same way because you're well i don't know are you the same way are you you're 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 not interested in feminizing your voice are you no nah. cool <laughs> i get called mam in the drive-thru and sir at the funeral home they they don't know what the hell i am see and that's unlike, just the way i like it Unlike you, I am not um, – I'm not what you'd call a natural woman. I'm someone who really has to work at it. Um, and believe me, by the end of this process, there ain't be nothing about me that's natural. <laughs> um, You're the Dolly Parton of trans people, and I say that in the most loving way to both you and Dolly Parton. <laughs> right, because, because I have a racist theme park that people weirdly don't talk about. <laughs> No, listen, I'm not coming for Dolly Parton. How don't worry. dare I'm not you be, go for Dolly I'm not going to be one of those. I'm not, I don't want to be one of those annoying, like, yeah, I love the Beatles. John Lennon beat his wife. Like, <laughs> There's a time and a place for bringing up problematic celebrity aspects. And I think it's important to have those conversations. But it's weird when, like, a, just like a white person uses that to score points, you know? Yeah. Like, that's a weird flex. I was just going to say that. With voice feminization, yeah. I don't really – I like my voice. It's yeah. actually the one one of the few things. I like my voice. I like my round, chubby little cheeks, and I like my thighs, and that's what I like about myself. And One of our earliest things we talked about on this podcast was the moment that we realized that having thick thighs went from being a problem to being the solution. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, but when it comes to phone calls – I sometimes want to feminize my voice because the thing about a phone call is that like they don't have any context but your voice. So I will never not be misgendered on the phone. Like any other context, like I can get to a point where even with my voice, people who are chill will see how I'm dressed. I mean, it's already happened. I've had like people like ask me for clarification of my pronouns and things like that. Like just based on how I'm presenting. Um, you know, I had a, I had a waiter specifically ask me like what um oh, what do you call it like what do you call those titles like sir or ma'am? 
What titles you? I would say titles. What titles? You... He he didn't use that word. He used a better word. But yeah, basically asked me what title. But on the phone, it will always be like, ah, uh, yes, yes, sir, goodbye. And I, I that it always kind of bothers me a little bit. It sticks in my craw. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. See, I have no problem people referring to me as ma'am on the phone for obvious reasons, except for afterward. Whenever they find out that I'm a mad, they get really apologetic, and that kind of sucks. Like I go to the drive-through and they'll be like, "Ma'am," and then I'll come to you like, "Oh, I'm so sorry." And I'm like, "Oh, like I didn't." Yeah, ask when you. I was, I would have corrected you if kid. I cared. I would have corrected you if I cared. Yeah, when I was a kid, I had super long hair, and people would mistake me for a girl, and then I'd be like, and then they realize I was a boy, you know, quote unquote, and uh, <laughs> sorry, I got distracted by the fact that I just realized that I say quote on quote even though i know it's quote unquote but somewhere in my brain i think of it as quote on quote so when i when i spaced it like that i literally was like quote on quote it seemed like a true fool (laughs) also is the word honorific that you were looking for yeah that was the word you were looking for honorific (laughs) yeah you're welcome we we like improv we complete every story arc so you told me before we started the episode that there was something you had in mind that was marvelous and you were very excited about it. And I've been wondering uh-huh. what it is. And I can tell yep. that we are going down tangents. My mom, I love how one of my new things on this podcast is talking about my mom's feedback. Cause it's funny well, we to- get, she's the only person we get like week to week reviews of. Yeah. Our she said last week, I loved what your discussions were. But you guys jump from topic to topic so much, it's so hard to keep up sometimes, and I get confused. Like, it's a little yeah. rolling, and I'm like, yeah, we do that. We do do I, that. I'm off my meds, babe. <laughs> so I'm here. My mom said, did Charlie edit last week? And I said, yeah, she said, I can tell. <laughs> she says, whenever you add an episode, I'm a little more brutal with my edits than you are, and it's true. She notices that I'm brutal with my edits. I'm like, okay, but but here's the weird thing. That's actually... That's only true in one respect because defend yourself, edit, girl. When I edit, I tend to edit about twenty minutes more out of our episodes than you do. So I'm actually a lot more selective. It's just what I'm selecting is very different. <laughs> I select the honest discussions. You select the crazy. Improv. It is extremely rare for an episode I edit to break the one hour mark. That's very funny. I didn't even think about that. My episodes are longer. You know what? Yeah. Touchy, my friend. Touchy. <laughs> um, anyway, I do have something amazing. So I need to know what it is. A little bit of background. I was with a uh, a partner of mine, and uh, they had recently acquired a um. <laughs> they recently acquired this old stack of uh play. Wait, play. Play Girl magazines um, and other just kind of random, like, ancient, like, 70s and 80s <laughs> erotic uh, materials from okay. a yard sale. Um, and so we had a blast flipping through all of these and seeing not only, of course, the hunks in all of their glistening glory, but the sort of fascinating way in which male sexuality has changed uh, over the last couple of decades. Like, you know, I feel like we do talk a lot in our society about how 
female beauty standards have uh, changed, you know, since sort of the beginning of uh, Hollywood, right? Like people talk about like, you know, Marilyn Monroe would be obese by today's standards or whatever. You know, I think that's true to like an extent. I think we always, we always obviously put like a, 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 an ideal of very slender white femininity on a pedestal. But male sexuality has also really changed. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And that was just really interesting. Um, lo- really hairy chests. Yep. Um, <laughs> big well, a good example of this was I've seen franchises, like Fast and Furious style franchises, ones that have gone on for like 20 years of like action heroes, where you see some hero topless... Like, he's got his, you know, glistening abs or whatever. And you look at him back in the 80s versus now. In the 80s, he had pretty typical bodybuilder. You could achieve this if you worked out normal body with body hair. I think you see that same actor now. And he's got, like, impossible, had to have not drank for, like, two days for the shoot body. Wolverine. Wolverine was a perfect example. Everyone right. listening and Charlie, look up Wolverine shirtless okay, comparison between the first movie and the most recent you will see what has happened to this poor poor fella Imme- first result you look at wolverine comparison first and last movie you will see the difference immediately yeah okay yep <laughs> jesus fucking christ that actually is crazy um the body uh, hair the uh, six pack but like a reasonable six pack and then the one to the right impossible body glistening oiled not a single hair on that body and you know what i actually had a chance to dine uh on impossible body recently and it tasted just like human meat so i don't (laughs) you know i don't see what the problem is here like cannibalism is so bad for the environment and for the people and for the people And, you know, any argument in favor of cannibalism comes from a place of deep, deep, you know, eco-fascism. I'll be honest. I always preferred Beyond Body. (laughs) That's actually... Well, that's also... Beyond Body is kind of what we're aiming to do. Like, that's the praxis of this podcast, right? It's not about body. It's about how you identify. It's not about impossible bodies. It's about going beyond the body. (laughs) Yep, that's exactly right. So, speaking of beyond the impossible body, what happened to male beauty standards? Is that what we're talking about today? Slipping through it, we were thinking about beauty standards, male beauty standards in particular, how those have changed, whatever. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. And then we got to the end of the book. And there was, in the back of the book, there was an ad. Oh, no. There was an ad for a book. (laughs) And what's weird is that this book is in Playgirl. So it's being marketed to women. Okay. But it is an ad for a book called The Penis by Brian Richards. Dr. Brian Richards. Dr. Brian Richards. And I prefer Dr. Brian Dix. (laughs) This book is a book about myself. (laughs) Dr. Dix. Dr. Dix. And and Dr. Dix, the reason this book was being sold in this magazine is because he claimed to have conducted the study that proved that male penis enlargement was a scientific possibility. That you could change your penis size uh, simply by doing his 
his techniques. It, ooh, okay. All right. And, I don't know what. And I don't like where this is going at all. It was. Yeah, and so now, Ari, we're going to try a couple of things. We're just going to see if it works. <laughs> this is, oh my god, Ari, this is Super Size Me. Super Size Me? Welcome to Super Size Me. We're one month of doing Dr. Brian Richards' penis techniques to no. see if our dicks grow. No, I refuse. I will, I'd rather die. No, no, no. But... Um, it was fascinating to me to see this doctor brazenly claiming something that like isn't really true. And also like he, he also, you know, part of the point of this, right, was to really emphasize how important penis size is ultimately to like orgasmic pleasure, which obviously, (laughs) which obviously, you know, is, is something that is, you know, it's controversial to say, but. I would say has pretty much been proven not to be true. <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm pretty sure it's not true. Um, right, co- right co- g- g- guys? R- r- right, g- 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 guys? <laughs> right, bo- 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 boys? <laughs> um, but I was fascinated by this man in this book, and I thought to myself, well, this was only... So like, the, this man. Oh my God, I wish. <laughs> Yeah, I wish. I actually think he's dead. I looked him Damn. up and I found an obituary for a British scientist who worked in urinology named Brian Richards, who would have been working about the same time. So I can't confirm that it's him, but I think it's him. Um, yeah, I think he died in 2003. R.I.P. Brian Richards, unless you're still alive and I was wrong. But this book was written in in the late 70s. So I was thinking like, well, I bet you there's a copy somewhere. So it didn't take much digging. It was actually, there are several copies available on Amazon being resold. Obviously, this book is not in print anymore, but people are selling it. It gets surprisingly good reviews on Amazon, by the way. A lot of people, a lot of people read this book and are really, really happy about it. They're like, yeah, this book provoked a lot of interesting things for me. This like, this like 50 year old, <laughs> complete nonsense book. Anyway, um, I procured a copy. Oh my god, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. So, Ari, this is The Penis by Brian Richards, MD. Oh um, my god. It's what a, is the sub, sub t- title? Um, I know there's one. Well, I know there is one. I'm kind of the sub when it comes to the penis. No, what does it say? I need to know. It, ha- it has yeah, to so, say something. So, so for listeners, this is like a it's it's a uh, it looks like it looks like, a, it looks like a Stephen King book. <laughs> it does. It does. It looks like it looks like, like, yeah, like King, old, I mean, I, every Stephen looks, King horror book is really about the penis, isn't it? So it looks it looks like an old Bachman thriller. Um, and yeah, um, it it's yeah. So it's a plain white book. It's like coffee stained. It and it says Brian Richards, M.D. The Penis in large letters underneath of which. After years of intensive research and study, the truth is finally revealed about wow, topics. Wow, they figured it out pre- 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. About topics previously considered to be of the most shocking nature. So, um, on the back, <laughs> it says, "A decade ago, it would have been banned. A decade from now, it will be a landmark." Which. <laughs> Time has not quite validated that, I would say. Are you telling me you haven't been a fan of Rich of Richard's penis? 
wait, everybody knows about this except me? Yeah. You pull out, you pull out your copy. My, my, like your... my laminated, beautiful, hardcover <laughs> copy. Where every page has like a fucking sticky note <laughs> like filled with tiny cramped handwriting of all of your furious note taking. The actual title is The Pen Is, and the answer is mightier than the sword. Wait a second. I, I just opened it. Encyclopedia Brown? <laughs> Approached Bugs Meanie? <laughs> Dick Swinging? <laughs> As usual. Dick swinging. <laughs> so listen, I have not read a word of this book because I have been waiting for you, Ari. Thank you. I feel, you. I feel honored. And you, listeners, I've been waiting for, for all of you. you all along. Everyone leaves uh, immediately. It's always been you. It's been you, Ari's mother. That feels, <laughs> if something feels really wrong about being like, all you listeners, I've been waiting to read the penis with you. So here's what I'm thinking we'll do today, but I'm thinking this will be like a thing we return to periodically because we can also make it into a bonus content on our Patreon. Yeah, we might further detail. Maybe we'll do. I can't fathom. We'll do multiple parts of this fucking book on the main feed. But do a book club. Oh my god, a book club of the of the penis. Um, that would be amazing. Yes, okay. we have a Patreon, but, for those who don't know, on our Patreon, we have lots of bonus content that comes out every other week where we have a bo- bonus podcast called the NB Size where we do, you know, quizzes, we discuss philosophy. I make it sound way better than it actually is, but it's we amazing. We discuss philosophy. We the, did the one time. Problem, the one problem. time we did a trolley problem the tro- simulator. The trolley problem. Yeah. Where Charlie had to answer impossible trolley problem questions. It's fantastic. You check it out. It's great. Your support means a lot. Anyway, continue. So what I'm thinking, what we can do today is, and by the way, pretty soon our Patreon will have boners episodes. But anyway, what I'm thinking we'll do is I'm going to read from just the introduction. And we're just going to see what kind of uh, conversations or improv it might inspire. That's actually really interesting. I'm done with that. Because as to penis carrying <laughs> almost like card carrying members penis carrying members cock of society carry, cock carrying members <laughs> right um i think a lot about this about like i think like i think a lot about the penis i think a lot about i, like, I think as a non-binary asexual person i never think about the penis i just never well, that's, think about and, it and right and so our perspectives will be fascinating right <laughs> as a as a trans feminine person i I am basically told on a daily basis by angry TikTok commenters, by, um, you know, bitter children's book authors, by Ricky Gervais, by Fox News and what have you, that my penis is the single most deterministic factor of my life, of my personality, of my proclivities, um, of how my body should be legislated by society. Um, I think I said this in an early episode, but I'm not positive because a lot of our early episodes got like pretty cut down, um, circumcised, if you will. Hmm. So, but I often feel like walking around with a dick as a trans woman, it feels like I'm walking around with a loaded gun. Like the way that I'm treated is like I'm walking around with like a loaded gun. I don't conceptualize it as a weapon. I don't use my penis as a weapon. But people treat the penis as though it is inherently violent, right? 
the gun analogy is a good analogy for how people are pathologizing. Yes. Like, and criminalizing the idea of the penis. I mean, literally might be criminalizing it in some contexts. Um, but it's not a good analogy for what a penis actually is because a gun is designed to kill. A penis is not designed to rape. Yeah. Um, that's a great point. And, and so, anyway. Yeah, it's not like someone uh, shoots a gun and goes, oh my god, it has a second feature. <laughs> Encyclopedia like Brown. Encyclopedia like Brown's like. Turns out he used his gun to shoot. Imagine, imagine, imagine the guy being like, "What the fuck did my paperweight just do?" <laughs> All right, continue, continue. We're gonna we're gonna delve in. Introduction to the penis by Brian Richards, M.D. If one were pressed to choose the one single most important thing on all the earth. And in the entire history of the Earth. Oh no. Then, without a fragment of doubt, that thing would be the human penis. Wow, what a start. What a start. Um, this is, yep, this is, this is exactly what I expected. Well, not a vagina. Uh, a, a, a penis has no historical value. What is this book? Like, it might have individual value, but historic value, zero. <laughs> what, is the exchange, what is the penis-vagina exchange rate, you think? Um, like, in terms of value. Okay, oh. wait, wait, wait. We have to. We have to. Um, um, excuse me? Um, I'm, yeah, I'm here at the, uh, you know, the, the gender... Welcome to the PMV. The PMV? <laughs> PNV. <laughs> Wait, P, so P, penis. N, as in PNV, PNV. Oh, oh, I gotcha. I thought, I. Th- PNV it's- stands for penis and, vag- and vagina. Penis <laughs> and vagina. <laughs> well, that's exactly what I'm here, that's exactly what I'm here for. Um, So, I'm ready to uh, exchange my penis um, for a vagina. I got a lot of people doing that nowadays, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I don't think we need your editorial. Hey, I'm saying it's positive. I'm saying it's positive. The PNV is ready to go. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to jump down your throat like that. I, I, it's a, it's a very touchy time. A lot of things down the throat at the PNV. Yeah, and I also just said it was a touchy time. Do you want to do anything with that? Nah. <laughs> but, uh, Mr., and I see on your name tag, uh, G. Gottfried. Yes, uh, the G stands for <laughs> Gottfried. um i just want to yeah i just want to know like how many vaginas can i get for this i'm not sure what the exchange rate is and i've been told that the penis is the most valued excuse me point two zero point two so i need five five penises? penises for one vagina yes but I, I was assured by my doctor, the preeminent scholar in this oh my area, God. that the was this, human was this that doctor Was this that Dr. Richards guy? Yeah, this was Dr. Brian Dix. Oh, he's in, this has been a problem. No, look, he, he got it all wrong. He saw 0.2 V equals P, and he didn't understand how math worked. Oh, you see, interesting. He thought he that, thought, that was, he thought, Because he, he thought he's that a doctor, not a mathematician. Is... He thought that the 0.5... 0. 
too. Was saying that the vagina was one-fifth yeah, of the value. Says, like, yeah. Multiply that times five, you get one Honestly, V equals five P. Exactly. Anytime I anytime I have to do exchange rates, like like when I go, when I travel to like, you know, when I travel to like Scotland and I, you know, turn in my my nipples for fingers. <laughs> That's a one-to-one um, ratio, baby. Yeah, well, okay, that's a bad example because that is a one-to-one ratio, so that's easy. But <laughs> when I travel internationally, when I travel to Japan and I uh, I turn in my nipples for fingers, anytime I go to another country, I give away my, unfortunately, my most useless body part, the nipple, <laughs> and I uh, for extra fingers so I can touch more of the stuff. And I'm always so touch confused by... Ex- <laughs> yeah, and I'm always so confused by the exchange rates. You know what I mean? Like, I'm always like, wait, does this mean that this is more or less? You know what I mean? Yeah, look, truth of the matter is, uh, penises, you know, <laughs> you've seen one, you've seen them all. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I feel like you are kind of editorializing a little bit. Mr. Gottfried Gottfried, I feel like your opinions are coming through here. Oh, Give me a second. I, I got to pull this penis out of my throat. All right. Anyway, continue what you were saying there. Yes, indeed. Yes. I, uh, it's me, Gottfried Gottfried. <laughs> All right, scene. Um, <laughs> my voice yes. was killing me. My voice was killing me. <laughs> All right. Um, let me, let me, now let me read you Brian Richards. Yeah, read a reason. little more of the book than five words per improv scene. That's not going to be a good exchange rate right there. <laughs> well, exchange, uh, just the idea of the penis exchange rate. Listen, when you get a good idea, you got to run with you it. You got to roll with it. A man will, with scrupulous care, amass a financial fortune. He will invent a new surgical operation. He will destroy and lay waste an entire nation. And then he will discard all reason in his headlong pursuit of a tight sweater or a set of shapely shaven pudenda. Holy shit, what a way to describe it. What is pudenda? I'm gonna Google it. Seems like a, a dangerous idea. The pudendal nerve supplies areas include the lower buttocks, area between the buttocks. Okay, so yeah, it's 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 a it's a vagina. It's a vagina. It's he means the vagina. A freshly shaven vagina is what he's saying. He just didn't want to say it, so he found a way to say it that would make you look it up and make you feel dirty. So yeah, you imagine, have to, wait, 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 wait. Imagine when this book came out. Now. Imagine this book came out and the person is reading it and they're like, "What does this word mean?" And I had to go pull out the encyclopedia. Get to the right, or book. ask their friend encyclopedia. <laughs> hey, don't worry, I will get to the bottom of the case of what putenda means. <laughs> that was actually the beginning of his descent into darkness. <laughs> that was when his innocence um, was lost. However, and and you know we should we should um, uh, like literally not worth talking about because obviously for this book I'm gonna just like blanket say that like the sort of acknowledgement that we need to have that this book is going to be like a very sex essentialist and heteronormative in ways that just aren't going to be interesting to talk about yeah we're, we 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 know that they're dumb you will you listeners might go that sounds dumb we know it's we're not gonna worry about it because we have to stop every five seconds and we did <laughs> yes exactly more than we already are He will accept the dictates of his sex drive as far as he can and substitute or sublimate for them where and when he cannot. However unreasonable his desires, they affect him to the very core of his existence. 
Knowing that his actions lack reason and logic, he will nonetheless throw away all of the pandering of his sexual whim and the pampering of his penis. Um, so here's what's interesting, what's standing out to me already, is, and this does go into sex essentialism bullshit, but I think it's a more interesting way to think about it, is like, this idea of the man as a, like, mental slave to his penis. It's so fascinating to me because, A, you would think, I don't know, it feels like, this almost feels like the beginning, I mean, I don't know if it's the beginning, but it feels like it ties, I feel like this rhetoric go, still exists in our society. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. In, uh, like, 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 I think this is like what, dudes like Andrew Tate are basically saying is this idea of like this almost like patronizing idea that like you losers, you're slaves to your dicks. You'll do anything for the pussy. So at the very least you should be successful. With What's it. really interesting about it is that it's kind of like the Jordan. I don't want to go into Jordan Peterson again a second week in a row, but I will say it's kind of like entertainers. I mean, part of these guys are really Jordan P- Peterson. Yeah. These are, these guys are really prevalent right now online. They're very big figures in terms of like the young people are being influenced by this kind of rhetoric and here's the thing there the grain of truth that they are starting with that turns into dangerous you know conclusions is our society has through the patriarchal you know system that we live under told men that they that their ability to heteronormatively attract and get women in whatever way is that that is like the highest value that can achieve that if you don't have a girl or wife you're a loser that there's a truth that being an issue that needs to be addressed but their version of addressing it is so it's like it's like someone saying capitalism is a problem so how can we take advantage of the problem you know what i mean it's like being like yeah i know cap i it's like it's like donald trump going up on stage and saying yeah i fuck with my taxes because i'm smart Right. I know taxes are broken. That's why I fuck with them. I'm smart. And it's like, no, you're an asshole. Right. Or like, it sucks to be a white, you know, factory worker in middle America. Um, and therefore the solution is to, for you to invest more in this system that has absolutely destroyed your livelihood. So you can become the oppressor. Yeah. See, that's the thing is like, there is truth to this idea that a lot of, people in society put a lot and hey as an asexual person i can say this is true put a lot more emphasis on sex than is probably necessary uh i'm not talking about like going on twitter and like talking about our sexuality and freeing ourselves i'm talking about people who look at another person and determine that person's value based on these factors right like the but jordan it's T- also the andrew tates of the world right yeah that's that's where this can lead even if R- dr richards meant well because maybe he did it goes it leads to a he- dangerous place very quickly I think it's interesting because I feel like this is reading so far to me as like very like an attempt at doctorly compassion. Like, hey, men, I get it. I get it. All right. The penis is like, yeah, of course you're obsessed with it. Everybody's been obsessed with it. Look at all these figures like this next uh, paragraph. I just was like glancing through. Um 
No revelation of extraterrestrial wisdom influenced as many men as deeply as the revelation of an erect penis when its foreskin is drawn back. Sorry, I didn't read that sentence. Um, Alexander and Napoleon led vast armies of conquest. Kublai Khan swept across half the earth to plunder Cathay, but he never gave his men the same satisfaction as they got from ejaculating into a welcoming woman. Honestly, it's fascinating to me that he literally feels like he is like the prototype Jordan Peterson. It feels like the exact same rhetoric from 30 years ago. Right. It's like it's like look at all of history can be tied to my my like you know, I have this like theory that men are driven primarily by sex. Heterosexual men are driven by heterosexual sex and therefore all of history has to be like squeezed through the like sifter of my theory in order to take on its shape. The reason this kind of discussion it's is like a, it's like a it's like a pasta maker. Yeah, the reason this ins- <laughs> the reason this insidious rhetoric um keeps popping up as it clearly does is truly I think that you start from this point of view that throughout history it is pretty clear that a lot of AMAVs have been weirdly obsessed with their penis and the use of their penis and that is true the conclusion that they come to could either be you know maybe our society has put too much pressure on all genders to perform their thing and what their value is or as richards has done thinking who the penis is in fact the most important thing in human history um, there are plenty of cis women in the manosphere who will who will confidently say from like their experience that like you know if uh, like less than a nine inch penis cannot is not adequate to satisfy like their needs or women's needs in general and it just like yeah we're all we're all kind of piling on to this in a way what i think about the penis is that it's just a fucking like it's just a body part it's a fucking body part and <laughs> it just isn't more important than other body parts it just is one of many things about us and i think it should neither have it shouldn't have all this importance in a positive or negative way like like i think the idea of like a trans woman changing in a women's restroom the idea right is that if a woman sees even glimpses the penis of a trans woman that constitutes some sort of assault when it's like don't look at her penis like her penis is not hurting you now i do understand i i made a tiktok about this recently i understand the portion of gender criticals that are truly coming at this from a place of trauma yeah if someone trauma is often a starting point for people's uh bigotry and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what you experience you cannot put it onto an entire group of people and even if privately you feel that trauma which is totally fine again if you experience a trauma and afterward, you can't ever look at, like, for instance, AMABs the same way. That's fair. You can't control your brain. Well, you're not allowed. You're not allowed to legislate people's bodies based. And this on goes both ways. This goes with every potential person who uses their trauma. For example, you look at sometimes you have gay Republicans who are deeply in the closet and start legislating from the bench against gay legislators. Like, I don't 
I, I'm sure some of them actually did go through trauma in their younger years because they're mostly like 9,000 years old. <laughs> but that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter what they went through. They can't legislate based on that. Exactly. I So I'm a person with trauma. Yeah. I And there are... There are certain types of people uh, in terms of like behavior and even in terms of physical resemblance to someone who did assault me um, that I can find really triggering. Um, so it's not like, I mean, what I said in the, the TikTok I posted is like, yeah, I mean, y'all don't think like trans women also have trauma around penises. Tra trans women have a higher chance of being sexually assaulted. Like trans women get raped too. Like the, like patriarchy is horrible and the penis absolutely rape is a weapon of patriarchy and it is weaponized against people. I was even going to make a comment here about Dr. Richards being like, when Kublai Khan swept across the nation, never gave them the same satisfaction as ejaculating into a welcoming woman. And I was going to say like, I'm not sure how many of those women were welcoming. <laughs> yep. True. Dr. True, Richards. True. Like it is That's true. presumptuous. But you just... If you try to legislate an entire group of people out of your space, you're putting them in danger. And that's the part that gets me the most is that if you take force a trans woman out of your space because she has a penis, then you put her into a room where she is infinitely more likely to be raped by a penis herself. Same with prisons. It just... To me, the way that empathy only cuts towards cis women in turf rhetoric is where I can't feel empathy anymore, even though I do feel empathy for people who have trauma because yeah, I have trauma around certain kinds of people and I avoid certain kinds of people, but I don't get to make laws about it and I don't get to build a philosophy about it. And that's well, and this is maybe not necessarily, this is kind of like a, uh, as tends to happen, you provide a very, uh, thoughtful personal experience and then i make some grandiose statement about society um, well you like no listen you like to generalize i like to specify that's why we work baby that's true uh, like a penis and a vagina <laughs> we fit together perfectly and nothing else could ever fit as well <laughs> i think that an interesting topic i've seen is you know the whole like at what point are penises necessary right for example if if we can free sperm we don't. You don't necessarily need the penis to enter the vagina anymore. But on the other side of the same topic, yeah, and I will we, say the free the sperm rally was a bad idea. I'll acknowledge that. <laughs> free the are, nipple was good. Free the, sperm free the sperm really went badly. Once we are able to, you know, uh, and we're working on this too. Like we're worth anything. Once we're able to create a uterus that can either, you know, develop a child outside the womb entirely or. Within anyone who wants a uterus, so it's that a AMAB trans femmes could theoretically give birth to children themselves, which would be a really major, massive step for, you know, trans women. Like, it would be huge. Not for every single one, but for a lot of them, it would be awesome. And, like, I think it's interesting to imagine a future in which truly, truly childbirth becomes entirely a choice of, like, which of us two want to bear the kid? Do we want to bear the kid separately? Do you want to bear the kid? Should I bear the kid? Maybe we both bear kids. Oh, we can do Maybe it together. Maybe we cocaine bear the kid. 
my favorite movie of the year. Um, yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, a lot of these things he's talking about are coming from this place of, like, as we all know, this is the way it works. This is going... It's like, it doesn't necessarily... Well, imagine a world in which this is actually the true reason, I believe. The true heart of the reason why so many people are terrified of the trans movement, really. Which is the idea of, imagine a universe in which men couldn't use women's bodies to control women anymore because that wasn't the... Like, you know what I mean? That's, oh, that's the quintessential idea that an AMAB, or as they would call it, a man can have sex with an AFAB or a woman, as they would call it, and have a baby. And that's like, that is the nature of sex. That is the nature of relationships. That is the nature of humanity. We can break that open entirely. And that's terrifying to them. But here's another weird aspect of this, right? Yeah, it is terrifying. Like, I feel like when we talk about patriarchy, yeah. sometimes, oh God, I have so many things to respond to you. You said so much. Okay, first of all, necessity. Right? Is the penis, how long will the penis be necessary? How long will the uterus be necessary for reproduction? Right? I do think there's a general problem with the way that we view value, body value, in terms of necessity, right? It's the same problem as AI. The problem with AI is not just that it is not necessarily, oh, it's going to replace these jobs. The problem with AI is that we don't value people unless they have jobs. So if we get rid of all the jobs and we haven't learned yet how to value people outside of that, we have a problem. Same thing with like, yeah, a penis, it doesn't, it, you know, how long will a penis be necessary? But it's like, you know, we, necessity, reproductive necessity is is a very old way of even measuring value. Yeah. Which brings us to your second point, which is about how reproduction is like a primary tool of patriarchy c- to control people. And I think... <laughs> I think there's a tendency when we talk about patriarchy to talk about men, you know, cis men, because trans men aren't doing this shit for the most part. There's a tendency to talk about cis men as though they are knowing active agents of patriarchy in in that they are sitting around thinking to themselves, well, if I can't impregnate women, then I can't control them. Now, some are like that. Andrew Tate is like that. He is training an entire generation of men to literally think like that. Yeah. But there's also a lot of men who are deeply unhappy with this arrangement. And I think ultimately that is who, based on two paragraphs of reading so far, I think that is who Brian Richards is trying to appeal to. Brian Richards is trying to talk to men who also feel like their penis is a cage. Cis men oftentimes feel like masculinity is a prison. They don't like it. Like, they don't like the patriarchy. They enjoy the privilege it gives them. They're terrified of what happens if those privileges are taken away. But they're not living happy lives inside of this fucking prison that we're all trapped inside of. And I know because I grew up and, you know, we can get into this at some point too. Cause like we talked a long time ago about male socialization and like, can you apply ma- the idea of male socialization to trans women? And yeah, yeah. I've learned since that conversation that that can be a very transphobic talking point. So maybe we need a different word than male socialization to talk about it. But uh, nonetheless, as someone who grew up not knowing they were trans with a penis, I can tell you 
my penis made me miserable. The lessons, and not just because I was trans, not just because of dysphoria, the idea that my destiny was tied to this thing, that people were making these assumptions about me, that I was making these assumptions to myself, it, it's awful. It is not fun to be a boy growing up under patriarchy, unless you are a sociopathic, awful rapist who just wants to do that, which is fine. But for the <laughs> which most is part, fine. <laughs> I know what you mean, but which is fine. Which you is do fine. you, my friend. You do which you. Is, yeah, I didn't mean which is fine. I meant which is that's its own thing. You know, that's what I mean. That's its own category. A ton of like we're unhappy, right? In the same way that fucking factory workers in middle America are like, they're fucking miserable with capitalism. They what's, hate capitalism, but they really, don't know that it's capitalism. What's really it's funny maddening. is that as an ace person, <laughs> I didn't actually have that much misery about my penis because I just didn't think about it all that much. Isn't that funny? I just didn't uh, Is that true, it. though? What about religious connotations around masturbation? That that was there, but I didn't really think about it in reference to my... I, it's hard to describe... To me, to me, I had this, but I thought of it as like it wouldn't matter if I had what, what part I had. This would still be relevant. Mm. It doesn't matter because it's not about pe- it's about having a thing in general. It's true. But like it's true. everyone has that problem. That's a thing. Someone, that's a test. That's a, that's a test. All humans have. I didn't think of it in the same way as like this. If I didn't have this, I was right. like, a oh, person well. with a vagina I is also not supposed hu- to. I thought it was being human. Yeah. Does that make sense? Right. So sex. Sex drive was maybe something that was like pathologized under some of the religious tenets, but it wasn't specific to your body parts. Yes, exactly. I grew up feeling like I was a fundamentally different type of beast from the girls in my life, but I liked the girls more. I wanted to be around them more. I liked the way they interacted with each other. Again, socialization. I liked the female socialization that I was experiencing, but... I felt like a monster amongst them, and I, I always felt that way. I felt, I felt wrong. I felt wow. like a, I felt like an intruder in female spaces long before I even knew what a trans exclusionary radical feminist was, and it was because of my penis. Nothing else was as relevant to the difference between me and them than the fact that I had this thing between my legs that I was ashamed to have, that I wasn't supposed to talk about. Like a giant percentage of women in my life had been literally raped by the time we were in high school. Like, or just like had had some fucking creepy dude like randomly like jack off in front of them. Like the, like the penis was the mark of the beast mm, right mm-hmm, it was the it was like being left-handed in salem and as a left-handed person i can say exactly the same feeling <laughs> um, um no i totally understand yeah. it's like it's a very interesting difference between the two of us is that one of the benefits of growing up the way i did which was you know in a very sexually closed off religious thing and i've had people ask me before yeah i've had people ask me do you think it's possible that your sexuality is partially or entirely due to the way you were raised i'm like yeah maybe i don't care (laughs) doesn't matter i don't know there's no way to know doesn't matter i'm happy as i am i don't know um but i do suspect probably that it would have i would have ended up that way regardless because i'm not the only person in my family who is clearly ace and i think that it's just a genetic predisposition and for me it's like i just grew up 
not thinking about myself as a sexual being. And I think that that was both an ignorance and that I didn't understand my place among other people and how I might impact them by not being mindful, maybe. Though I didn't really, I didn't have any situations happen where it was ever a problem, but I'm thankful there weren't because I was a kid. I didn't know that AFABs and AMABs had different parts until I was in like seventh grade. I just didn't know. I didn't know. Right. We I was not. To- I was not told. So wild. I was not told. Me. I wasn't told. And I learned eventually in sex class. It's like sex ed. And I was like, oh. And Mr. McDonald. Yep. Great or, way to oh. great way to introduce that topic. Uh, and my <laughs> get the PE coach. To- my way of learning was the gruffest. The gruffest. Least like least com- like empathetic like i liked mr mcdonald I fine he, he was very um, i always but, had a good place with him but he was also but, he was a gym teacher right that's what he was but yeah but he was not like he was not going to be he was very much like the a like listen he is the de- he was hey, like, hey, boy, like we all we all know we got the beat you got that's not the voice he had at all <laughs> <laughs> you know as a non-binary person i floated in this state a state of not caring either way Right, I just didn't care. I didn't care what I had. I didn't care. It didn't impact yeah. me. And that's not true of every non-binary person. I'm not trying to say, oh, as all non-binary people know, just as much as just as much as a trans woman doesn't necessarily want to or need to have bottom surgery to not have dysphoria, non-binary people sometimes do want to have surgery. Sometimes do want to have hormones. Sometimes don't. It depends on the person. I don't know where I'm going to end up in my life. It could change over time. You know, our feelings. Yeah. Again, we. And it's sort of like blanket. Uh, you know. We are uh, on this podcast are very much under the opinion that like there just isn't any monolithic. You know how many identity. gender expressions there are, as many as there are people. Right. Every person's relationship with what they express themselves is entirely unique to themselves, and there might be a lot of connections to other people. But everyone's history is different, right? Every person's history is completely different. Wait, wait, real quick, Ari. Yeah, go for it. Here, here. I want to do. Um... <clears throat> All right, listen up, kiddos. Yes, coach. You got you got dicks and you got balls. Yes, coach. We do. And, and I'm going to just assume that you know the basics. Because you had the internet, you had you know, you had you all have fathers. I know cuz I'm a, you know, I play basketball with all of them. <laughs> so I know you got dads and I know your dad's got dicks. So I'm not too worried about the basics. So we're going to try to talk a little. Hey, hey, Leonard. <laughs> Le- Leonard, eyes on me. Stop giggling and look at me. <laughs> what was that? What was that, young man? You try- you mouthing off? You said something? I, I don't know. I swear to God, Leonard. If I was your old man. <laughs> <laughs> Raises fist in air. Um, immediately <laughs> gets fired. The best narration. <laughs> immediately gets fired new coach alrighty kids <laughs> so here's the thing uh, PE coaches it's taken us a little while to figure out that we're not allowed to even threaten to physically strike kids in today's day and age so you're gonna have to forgive us because like you we're also learning we're also learning we're all learning together alright now listen I'm gonna just pick up on the notes that the that that, that our old team coach coach left behind. <laughs> the the for mad me. ramblings of a of a fucked up monster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Opens note, huh? It's like Manifesto. in the Simpsons episode with writing all over the walls of China. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, manifesto <laughs> for the for male for penile supremacy. The unidonger. The. <laughs> All right, I'm actually going to do my own notes. I'm going to do my own notes here. So listen, how many of you, how many of you have, you know, you're at home, nobody's around, and you you feel a little funny down, you know, down there. You feel a little funny down there. Raise your hand. You don't have to be shy. No one in the class raises their hand. Wait. Is this... No, we all feel this way, right? All This isn't just me, is it? Principal Principal Kenneth, Principal Kenneth. Yes. You um your dick like changes sizes and gets big and you play with it and it feels good and stuff comes out, right? What the fuck are you talking about? Oh my god. What do you what do you, what wait what what is this, this then? Man what is, is sex crazy? <laughs> wait, don't don't say that to that reporter. Click, click, click. Stop taking pictures. <laughs> Crazy Principal man. Wait, wait. How did the newspapers get printed already? Oh, it's all online. It's digital. The headline just says Crazy man. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't print that. Don't. Hey, Principal Kenneth. Wait, Principal Kenneth. I just need to, You told me to teach sex ed. What, what is this class? If I'm not, it's not about the door the opens penis. and a man walks in a grizzled man. With a hat covering his eyes, and he walks over. Well. Trips, trip, accidentally runs into basketball hoop because the hat's covering his eyes. <laughs> well, well, well. One man whose body seems different than everybody else's. <sighs> Sounds no. like another no. mystery for Encyclopedia Brown. Man detective. No, no detective. Man detective. <laughs> De- detective, I'm not crazy. I swear. Me, Coach Meanie, I'm not crazy. Do this you remember is real. Seven year- 17 years ago when you stole that ball from Sally in the front yard of her home and you threw it into a tree. And then when you were asked, you said a cat took it up there. Yeah, of course I remember. Never told a true word in your life, have you? <laughs> Wait, no, that was just one stupid lie I told as a kid. One you don't stupid have to... lie reveals one a... stupid life. <laughs> Take him away, boys. No, no. Also, wait, you're only 38 years old? You look like you're in your, like, fucking 60s, it's man. It's a hard life, my friend. <laughs> now I'm going to teach you kids what sex ed actually is. Bravo. Bravo, everyone. Excellent work. Hello, it's me, Brian Richards. You thought you'd killed me in 2003, but it turns out I am still very much alive. And I know, I know, Inspector Brown, I know that you have been working ceaselessly to erase the memories of the entire population of how important the penis is. (laughs) But I'm here to tell you that me and my man Bugs Meanie, we're not going to stand for it. We are going to fight you. We are going to make sure that the penis is the most important, is can still considered by the population to be the most important thing in the entire world. Huh. What are you going to do? Write a book about it? <laughs> a I seminal work, to. so to speak? <laughs> a seminal work? A se- oh, no. <laughs> Listen, I don't need... A seminal jerk? <laughs> 
I mean, uh, actually, you caught me. It's time. It's time for free the sperm. <laughs> That's how I'm gonna do it. It's the free the sperm. Join me, men. Yeah. Immediately gets arrested. <laughs> All right, we uh, we're we're probably close to the end of this episode, but we did, do, we got through like three sentences of the book. Um, I do want to just like, I have one more paragraph I want to read. Go for it. <clears throat> A man. This is actually so. Doctor Richards is being executed by by firing squad, and this is he's requested this to be his last words. Any last words, you sick fuck? Yes. A man may not quite recall the shape and pattern of his own arm. He may overlook the wound on his face. He will never forget the appearance of his penis. He pays more attention to it than anything else. He will fondle it and tend it more than anything else. He will protect it above all else. He may not know the color of his eyes. But he feels and knows every movement of his testicles. All men like to feel penis pride too, in size, shape, quality, and performance. Things that erode that pride erode the man himself. The penis is all important to him. Without it, he is not the same. Nothing that affects it fails to affect him accordingly and vice versa. In a phrase, like it or not, and recognize it or not, a man is his penis. I am. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Huh? Wow. So, my God, that is the penis. Um, so, are you planning to read the whole book, Charlie? I don't know what I'm planning. I don't know what I'm planning. When I bought it, I don't. I didn't have a plan. I, I just thinking. knew I wanted it. That's a coffee table book right there, by the way. I mean, yeah, no, this, yeah, exactly. I should just leave this around the house. Or a bathroom book. I might go in the back, in the bathroom to read while you're peeing. <laughs> I just, I think there's probably more we can do with this book. It just, to me, it's kind of uh, a podcast, a podcast hosted by two AMABs who are transitioning, holding a, like, again, a 50 year old book written in a time when the idea of like when these ideas of the penis were like probably very common. Also, again, I just want to reemphasize that this was in play girl magazine. So this is like your girlfriend is supposed to like see this and be like, Oh yeah, I'd love for Kevin to have a bigger penis and more confidence in himself. I'm going to order this. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's just really fascinating to me that this, like, this exists as a, <laughs> what do you even call it? Like, this is a distillation of centuries of patriarchal propaganda. And I, it, but presented in a way that is attempting to be very, I think, compassionate and empathetic to the way that men feel. And it's maybe is not presenting a worldview that I think is accurate. And it's not even presenting a solution that I think has, will have any merit, but it is identifying a problem that is real, which is this idea that we have been taught to feel this insecurity 
about ourselves. And then we're told that the only way out of it is through domination and violence. Yeah, we have we have to react with it, it. It's like when you're in middle school, right? And you're a lonely kid or whatever. I'm not speaking from experience. <laughs> uh, and you you think that being edgy or angry and a bit of a loner will make people like you more. Right. It's kind of a weird defensive anger. And I feel like there's idea of like, are you insecure? Well, if you show your strength and your anger, no, people will be too scared of you to laugh at you anymore. Yeah. And I see a lot of projection. It's funny how trans communities are attempting to disassemble a horrible, dangerous structure of patriarchy, of gender essentialism, of sex essentialism, and these gender critical people who claim that they are scared of the patriarchy and want to get rid of it are entirely upholding it through these beliefs that there are inevitabilities about people, right? That you, what, what, how you are born reflects what you will become. Yeah. And like, it goes back to the nature versus nurture thing, right? At the end of the day, nurture is so much more important than nature in every respect because whatever aspects of yourself you are born with, like as a person born with anxiety, right, ADHD, had I been assisted in my ADHD when I was very young, it would have helped me a lot. But I just, they didn't know what to do with that at the time, so they didn't do much about it. And only later in life that I get medicated and get help. And it's like, yeah, I could refer to the ADHD. I mean, and even my- then, I mean, there's only so much they can do with you at this point. Yeah, I'm busted. I'm broken. <laughs> but like, it's like the asexuality. People keep asking me, so were you born this way? I'm like, I don't know, and I don't care, and it doesn't matter because a human being is not. C- c- I mean, we're not. We come out of the womb not even like done cooking yet. We're like useless for like. Especially, I, especially me. Yeah, I you was, were particularly. I was born at 28 weeks, baby. Woo, crazy. I didn't even have fingernails. See, this apparently. is the thing that I think is crazy to think about. People. I didn't keep- even have fingernails. I didn't even have fingernails, but they want to claim I had gender. <laughs> I think it's interesting that, like, at the end of the day, I think what's really happening is that people really want nature to be important and nurture not to be, and they want everything about you to be inevitable from the second you're born. I mean, they say you're already a human being before when you're, like, four months developing and you're, like, a lump. They say, oh, once you're born, they, you know, they're lowering the, the marriage laws. They're lowering the child labor laws. They are saying you're ready to go. You're a person. Just follow these instructions. Go do this thing. Nothing about you is everything about you is inevitable. My, instead of being like, oh, we're always growing, we're always changing. We talked about this last week. Change is such an important aspect of humanity. They really don't want that to be an aspect. And the second they say you were destined to be the second you were born, is the second they said change was impossible. I think that is where we're going to have to call this episode for today. So um, yeah. So quick, uh, just you know, I've been trying every week to like give a what we're calling the tran wreck a trans creator who does a better job than we do of uh talking about things i want to shout out the youtube video queer relativity by the creator aranock a-r-a-n-o-c-k queer relativity um this resonated so deeply with me and i think it would to pretty much any queer person on planet earth it's a beautiful kind of video essay, kind of personal essay, um, 
There's some fun, nerdy media analysis. It's great. It's lovely. It's wonderful. Check out Queer Relativity and probably other videos on their channel. I haven't watched any other videos yet, but that video is something that has been really uh, resonating with me. Wonderful. Um, and yeah, Ari, thank you for uh, thank you for coming on this journey with me, as always. Yes, and I look forward, sort of, to continuing potentially reading more of this batshit crazy book on the Patreon. Because uh, this feels yeah, this I think feels like I a think, Patreon thing. You know what I let's <laughs> let's commit to this now. We're gonna do like we're gonna do a lot of Brian Richards content on the Patreon. Like we're gonna find different ways. We're gonna do like a yeah, we're gonna do a book a book and I'm at least going to read this book at some point, and we're gonna do like an analysis because it of might Brian actually Richards provide a really videos. interesting look into how conclusions can be made from danger dangerous conclusions can come from seemingly innocuous beginnings right that's kind of what it, I, I assume i'm assuming some things but that last sentence kind of said it all didn't it and now now we've come to the end of our episode listeners listen back can you find the lie turn to page 78 for the answer all right we'll uh we'll see you next time bye-bye Yes Androgyny was conceived, recorded, and produced by Ari Noble and myself, Charlie Monroe. If you want more content or you care to support the show, we can be found at patreon.com slash yesandrogyny, where we will be posting an extra episode of bonus content, plus other fun surprises at least every off week. This show is co-produced by New 32 Productions, an independent North Carolina media company that Ari and I are both heavily involved with. You can find New 32 on YouTube at youtube.com slash new32, that's N-E-W-3-2. Our music was composed by Florify, F-L-O-R-R-I-F-Y, whose link tree can be found in the episode description. Our theme song is Riff in A by Garrett Stein Sarusi, who plays the guitar on the track, with additional arrangement, instrumentation, and mastering also by Florify. Our cover art is by the inimitable Izzy Pereira, who can be found on Twitter at Izzy Squeaksy. That is I-Z-Z-Y-S-Q-U-E-A-K-Z-Y. Lastly, but not leastly, Ari can be found on Twitter at Ari Noble Writes, where they post about their myriad music and webcomic writing projects, including their epic fantasy adventure webcomic in the vein of Redwall. They co-created it with our cover artist Izzy, and it is posted weekly. So definitely check that out. It's super rad. Thank you guys so much for listening. That concludes the credits. See you in two weeks or sooner if you join our Patreon. Bye!